This is Publishers Weekly Radio, the authority on all things books and publishing, with everything you need to know from your favorite books and the world in which they live to bestseller lists and publishing news. Here's the inside story on your favorite story. Publishers Weekly Radio, with your hosts, Rose Fox and Mark Rotella. Hello and welcome to Publishers Weekly Radio, on the web at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio and streaming free on iHeartRadio, iTunes, and audiobookradio.net. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly, and we're bringing you the very best author interviews directly from PW's offices in New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. Here's one of our favorite interviews from the PW Radio Archives. We hope you enjoy it, and check our site on September 14th for our brand new show, PW Insider. Welcome back. I'm Rose Fox. And I'm Mark Rotella, and you're listening to Publishers Weekly Radio, direct from the PW offices in New York City. Today we've got Candy Chang on the line. She's the author of Before I Die, a book chronicling a very unusual art project. Candy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I suppose, you know, looking at this, maybe it's not entirely accurate to say that you're the author of this book. You're the creator of this project. Tell us, tell us about Before I Die. Yeah, it, the project has grown far beyond me. Um, it all started really after I lost someone that I loved very much, and uh, I went through a long period of, of grief and depression, and and eventually gratitude for the time we had together, and uh, and then kind of clarity by thinking about death so much. Uh, it really helped to clarify my life, but I I really struggled to maintain that perspective. You know, I think it's really easy to get caught up in the day to day and forget what really matters to you. Mm-hmm. So I wanted a daily reminder, and I wanted to know what was more, what was important to the people around me. Um, so I made this wall. I, I painted the side of this abandoned house in my neighborhood with chalkboard paint. And what neighborhood is that? It's the Marini in New Orleans. Great. And I, um, I stenciled it with a grid of this fill-in-the-blank sentence, before I die, I want to. Uh, and put out chalk so anyone walking by could, you know, pick up a piece of chalk and, and reflect on their lives and, and share their personal aspirations in public space. And I had no idea what to expect. You know, I didn't know if it get tagged over the next day. So it, it just, it really blew my mind when uh, within 24 hours the, the wall was completely filled out and responses were spilling out into the margins. And I posted a few photos online, and it spread. Uh, and then my inbox exploded with messages from people around the world who wanted to make a wall in their community. And so that's how the project has grown to what it is today. There are now uh, over 400 Before I Die walls in over 60 countries and over 25 languages. That's incredible. And uh, well, when when was it that you started this project? And how did you did you did did people take photos of of each of their walls from every city and every country and send them to you or what happened from then i made the first wall in february of 2011 and um yeah you know some people would contact me and say hey i want to make a wall and so uh, it took a few months for me to figure out a way to provide as much information as possible to to these people about how to make it you know the best way to to do it all the things that you need um 
uh, the stencil, how to make a stencil, and uh, then people started to share their photos with us. And some people shared them directly, and, and others we sort of bumped into uh, online in, in different sure. different places. And uh, yeah, it's been really incredible to see just how quickly this this idea has has spread. Like really, um, it wouldn't have grown so quickly with, without the internet. I, I actually just uh, a couple of days ago walked past a before I die wall in my neighborhood, which I hadn't even noticed oh, wow. was there before. I'm in in Crown Heights in Brooklyn, um, and oh, I went wow. down a street that I don't usually go down. I went, hey, that looks really familiar <laughs> from from the from this book that I was just looking at because we were getting ready to interview you. So it, it's clearly they're they're sort of springing up all over the place. Oh yeah, absolutely. Did did you write on it? No, I didn't have a chance. I was in a hurry, but I definitely want to go back and write on it. Though I don't yeah. know what I'll say. You have time to think about it, <laughs> and that's what part of that's that's what, that's what the project is really about is is that it becomes this big accessible tool in public space to to, to really restore perspective and also to get to know your neighbors uh, mm-hmm. in new and enlightening ways. And my background is actually in urban planning and design. And so I I started out experimenting in public space years ago um, using simple tools like like stickers and and stencils and chalk. And uh, my question started out really quite practical. You know, uh, I used post-it notes to ask my neighbors how much they pay for their apartments. (laughs) Everybody kind of wonders how much their neighbors pay for their places. Uh, I used these fill-in-the-blank stickers. I put them on vacant storefronts to ask people what they wanted in these places um, and I created doorknob hangers to, to figure out ways that could share more resources um, with the people around us uh, they invited people to you know offer things that they have or to ask what you know things that they wanted to borrow and so a lot of these projects were actually really kind of practical experiments trying to figure out ways that um, I could learn more from my neighbors that uh, that we could share more information, more knowledge, more more resources, and I feel like um, we have more and more tools to reach out across the world, but it's still hard to reach out to your entire neighborhood, right? And uh, there's there's so much wisdom in all the people around us, but we don't bump into every neighbor, so a lot of that wisdom never gets gets passed on. Um, but we do share the same public spaces. And if they're designed differently and we're given the opportunity, you know, what other things could we share with one another that would help improve our communities and our lives? And you've done public projects in places like Nairobi, Hong Kong, Las Vegas. Uh, How do you balance uh, taking your own approach to these other places and sort of absorbing the truth of those places and making those installations work with their own local surroundings and local cultures? Well, with the projects, I'm I'm usually working with with a, a local community group, you know, that's that's been there for years, and so um, that's that's the beginning of it. And then with many of these projects, they're very much um, all about uh, making it what the community wants it to be. So it's more of a question rather than any kind of answer, you know, and uh, and. and I think that's what's been interesting is, is to see what might come out of it. I actually I did a project in, in Turku in Finland um, asking people around this university um, what they wanted to be when they were a child and, and what they want to be today. 
and um, some of the organizers were worried that Finnish people were too shy sure. uh, to share in public. And um, before we were able to even before we even finished the installation, you know, almost all the like 200 prompts were were already filled out by people walking by, biking by. And, uh, you know, for me, um, the interactive public art projects actually started out as my quiet way to ask my neighbors things that I was too shy to ask in person, you know. And uh, only later did I realize it had, you know, all these other benefits, too. Um, It's it's really accessible to everyone, these simple tools. Um, But also these open prompts make it easier for more introverted people like me to share. And so it's interesting to see how, you know, even in in places where people thought people were too shy, well, actually, this is a a great format for people who are a little quieter, you know, to be able to share as quietly or as loudly as they like. Um, And also these prompts, um, these open prompts are anonymous, so it allows people to to uh, share in ways that they might not have otherwise. No, that makes perfect sense. Friends of mine a couple of years ago got married and at their wedding they basically lined the walls with paper uh, and and in a very similar sort of way they encourage people to play pencil and paper games on the walls and we have a lot of nerdy introverted friends and it was a great way for people to connect where you're standing next to someone, you don't have to look at them, you're drawing on a wall together and that's that something just a little transgressive about that can uh, can really surmount the barriers yeah absolutely and i think it's a i think it's a a, like a safe and gentle first step Mm -hmm. and i think there's something to that i'm interested in that space and i think that 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 open prompts the anonymity it can be a a safe and and gentle first step towards honesty and vulnerability and trust and understanding and about the Before I Die project, what made you decide to turn that into a book of photographs? How did that come about? Um, well, ever since people have been you know, contacting me asking to make a wall, and I've provided all these resources online so people can either buy a toolkit with a stencil, they can download all the files for free and, and make, their own, make their own stencil. Um, and I've just been trying to play catch-up ever since and uh, and just trying to create a place where um, everyone can share their walls. And um, Rose from St. Martin's Press, she contacted me, and she had seen the wall that, uh, that went up in Brooklyn um, at the Fulton Mall. And uh, it was one of the longest walls, and it was up for, for several months. Uh, and... I actually used to live nearby that area too, so it was really wonderful to see the pictures of that wall. And she, uh, she was the one who was the champion about it. She loved the project so much and, and asked uh, if I was interested in in, in uh, turning it into a book. And I said, "Huh, okay." <laughs> That's how it started. And so, for for someone. So uh, you, know, you describe yourself as shy and introverted. How does it feel to be voted by Oprah Magazine as one of the top 100 leaders in public interest design? <laughs> it's it's uh, it's really very nice <laughs> of them. Uh, but I think that's um, what's interesting about it all is that you know there are people in in the neighborhood who have who want to be different kinds of neighbors. There are people who want to be pillars of the community and there are people who want to, who treat home as a place of solitude. 
and then there are a lot of people in the middle and I think I'm in the middle somewhere and for me a lot of this stuff is just uh, you know when I look at the news and I see international news or even national news um, oftentimes I get uh, a little bit frustrated because I feel like there's nothing I can do but I know that I can make a difference in my neighborhood and I can try these experiments out and that's that's the small and humble place where all of this starts you know it's just trying something small out and and seeing how it feels and seeing what happens and going from there. Now you're working on another project in New Orleans called The Philosopher's Life. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, you know, all the projects I've made have, have been a kind of, like a form of self-help. <laughs> it's like me working out certain questions in my life. And, uh, you know, after the Before I Die project, I, you know, I feel like I hit some sort of second half of life, you know, after Joan died. And I've had a lot of big questions about about life, um, mm. about what really matters, about what it means to lead a good life. And there's just so much that I want to read. You know, there's so many people who have come before us who have thought very deeply about a lot of these things, and uh, I want to spend time with them, too. And the library came out of that and, and other things as well. So this library will be um, a concept library uh, filled with books about leading an exam in life and also filled with books that people can recommend, anyone can recommend, uh, fiction or nonfiction, uh, books that have changed their life. And uh, we'll, we'll have a website where people can submit books. Um, and people have actually already submitted about 300 or 400 books and have written really thoughtful um, comments about why this book uh, was meaningful to them. And so each of those comments will be turned into book plates that will be printed in each of the books uh, in the library. So it'll be very personal. Um, but I want the library to also be this place where people can come and um, and find this kind of sanctuary. <laughs> it's like a, it'll be like a sanctuary for confused and anxious and worn out people and uh, a place where you can have uh, bibliotherapy. Um, when I did the Confessions Project in Las Vegas where I um, invited people to submit their confessions on these wooden plaques uh, anonymously and then I hung them up on the walls uh, so they gathered over time like a Shinto Shrine prayer wall. It was so interesting to see um, it was so consoling to see that you're not alone, right? that, that you're not alone as you're trying to make sense of your life. And that project made me think more about um, what's the next step after that, you know. Um, as we're struggling with similar things, there are so many other people who have struggled with the same things and, and have found... Um, have found comfort, have found, found solace, have, have found different ways um, uh, to heal themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the, the library, I, I'm, I've just been thinking more about how I can take that idea a next step so people can come in and share the things that they're struggling with right now, but also find, you know, um, recommendations uh, for, for different ways, different paths, different books, uh, and beyond to be able to work those questions out a little more, you know. I kind of wonder if can there be something like a, an AA for general well-being. 
Well, it sounds like all of these projects have a very similar thread to them of building community and connecting people and promoting happiness and promoting well-being. Um, and then does that continue to, to motivate your art? Do you see that just being your, your lifelong project? Uh, that's how I feel strongly right now. You know, I guess I, I feel like the projects certainly come from where I'm at in my life and, mm-hmm. and, and the questions I have and there. So they're a kind of way for me to work out the questions I have in my life right now. And right now I'm extremely interested in, in, in mental well-being. You know, I feel like I've, I've gone through dark periods of, of depression and existential crisis. Mm-hmm. And I wonder about the ways that we can work this out, you know. And I think especially in our age of increasing distractions, it's really easy to neglect our relationship with ourselves, you know, to really take the time to step back and pause and be quiet and reflect. Um, And I feel like with every experience we gain, you know, new perspectives that can potentially change uh, and reshape our guiding star as we grow and change. We've been talking with Candy Chang, and you can find her book, Before I Die, in stores right now. Candy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Beyond the headlines, beyond the routine, beyond the book, I'm Chris Keneally, host of Copyright Clearance and his podcast series, Beyond the Book. And I'm Andrew Albanese, senior writer at Publishers Weekly. Join us each Friday for a publishing news week in review podcast unlike any other. Learn all the breaking news and catch the best analysis on developments in the book trade, copyright law, and much more. You already know business as usual. Now go Beyond the Book. Listen to the free series and subscribe at beyondthebook.com. And that's it for today's show. I'm Rose Fox. And I'm Mark Rotella, and you've been listening to Publishers Weekly Radio. You can listen to this and every episode of Publishers Weekly Radio absolutely free at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio. Subscribe to our podcasts on iHeartRadio and iTunes, and hear every new episode streamed live on audiobookradio.net. Check those sites every week for a brand new episode giving you the inside story on your favorite story. And don't forget, PW Insider launches on September 14th. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Publishers Weekly Radio Show. 